Welcome to the Arise Church podcast, where we're awakening the world to the reality of Jesus. Today's scripture comes from Luke 22, verses 14 through 20. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after he had eaten it said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The word of God. Arise exists to awaken the world to the reality of Jesus. In its essence, having a personal awakening is to experience an encounter with the living God. And throughout church history, there's no place more expected to encounter the love of God than at the table with the Lord's Supper. Every week, millions of Christians come to the table all around the world to receive bread and wine, to receive the love of Jesus. And I love coming to the table at a house church gathering. The house church that we've recently started meets in the basement of a home. And coming down the stairs, you hear the boom and the roar of people talking as they're meeting at the table, seeing each other many times for the first time at the beginning of a new week and reconnecting after time away. It's the sound of joy. It's the roar of fellowship and friendship. It's a basement of community and people who are present together in the presence of God. We're in the table series featuring the meals of Jesus in the book of Luke. Jesus in that book in nine different times is shown as having a meal with someone else. In Jesus' words, he came eating and drinking. And it's at the table where people see Jesus face to face, eye to eye, have conversation with him, experience his presence, receive his love in a way that touches their heart and transforms their lives from the inside out. The table, it's the place of presence, it's the place of love, it's the place of encounter, it's the place of transformation, it's the place where we gather every week to worship the living God. And here in today's passage, we see Jesus sharing his last meal with his disciples, where he takes the cup, he passes it to them. He takes the bread, he breaks it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. This is the, the, the cup of the new covenant. Um, drink of this cup. It's 
the meal that Jesus shared with his disciples before going to the cross, and it's a meal that he commands that we observe week after week as we gather together. And so every Sunday throughout church history, the church around the world has gathered at the table to receive the blessing of Jesus. And this has no small meaning for our community because we share the Lord's Supper in context of a fuller meal. It's not just a piece of bread and a sip of wine. It's bread and juice in the context of a full meal and a full fellowship together. When we started House Church, I didn't quite grasp the depth of importance that eating together would come to have for our community. And as I've studied church history, and as I've studied the Lord's Supper in preparation for today, I'm discovering more and more just how in alignment our gatherings and fellowship are, our worship is compared to the early church. We are in alignment with the first 150 years of Christian practice of the Lord's Supper, or as it's commonly called today, communion. For the first 150 years, Christians gathered in homes and they observed the Lord's Supper, keeping Jesus' commandment, do this in remembrance of me, in the context of a wider meal. Luke shows what this was like in the fellowship of the earliest converts of, to, to Christianity. Luke, of course, wrote the Gospel of Luke, but what some of us may not be aware is that Luke wrote a part two to this Gospel, and we call it the Book of Acts. In Acts 2.42, we see that new converts were gathered in homes to hear the apostles' teaching, to pray, to break bread, and to fellowship. And this is the scripture that we've based our house church gatherings off of. When we show up, we hear the apostles' teaching and reading the scripture and discussing it. We pray together. We break bread, sharing the Lord's Supper, the, the juice and the bread, and then we have a full meal in fellowship. And that's what we see in the early church. That's how they observed the Lord's Supper. Everywhere that um, Lord's Supper of Communion is mentioned in the New Testament, it's mentioned in context of a full meal. And we see more evidence of this outside of the Bible in the early years of Christian worship. Justin Martyr, who was a Christian apologist in the second century, in the 100s, he wrote this of his house church that he was a part of. This is what he said about their worship. He said, the day that is commonly called Sunday, all those believers who live in the city or in the fields, they gather. And in their meetings, as much as time allows, they read from the memoirs of the apostles and the writings of the prophets. In other words, they read the Old Testament scriptures and they read the stories that the apostles have written about Jesus' life and his teachings. Then once the reader is through, the one presiding offers a verbal exhortation, urging us to follow these beautiful examples. And then we all stand up, and as one, we raise our hands in prayer, and then someone closes in a single prayer of thanksgiving, and all the people respond, amen. And then what follows is the distribution and partaking of the nourishment of the consecrated thanksgiving meal. And he goes on to say, uh, we gather on Sunday because it's the first day in which God transformed darkness and matter, created the world, and also the day in which Jesus Christ, our Savior, rose from the dead. And I love that writing because it shows the early Christians coming together in homes, 
hearing the scriptures, I love that he said, as long as we possibly could. And then they pray over the meal. They thank God. A lot of times these prayers would include full thanks for both Jesus' cross and his resurrection. And then they would eat a meal together. And whatever was left over or whatever was necessary from that meal would then be taken to the poor and to the needy so that they could be filled as well. And sometimes I think about what it would be like to be in those early church gatherings, to be a first century Jewish person recently converted into the way of Jesus, now wanting to mimic the lifestyle of Jesus, trying to understand the movement of the Holy Spirit, the love of God tangible in my life, coming to a home to um, eat with other Christians. In the home, I imagine Acts 2.42, people showing up to homes and the apostle Peter standing there and saying, um, instructing them. This is what Jesus meant when he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And then, and then talking about that and talking about how he saw Jesus display that quality and then praying over the meal and saying, Jesus commanded us to continue eating together, to celebrate his sacrifice on our behalf. And then the early disciples getting to sit with the apostles and ask them questions like, Peter, what was it like for Jesus to call you in from the sea and to cook fish for you for breakfast on the beach? You know, those kind of conversations. Or, Peter, how do I live out this teaching of Jesus? in my everyday life? Or how do I understand these dreams that I had, that the Spirit's given to me? And I just imagine them going into the late night around a meal, talking, laughing, discussing, dreaming, and trying to figure out what on earth had happened to them in the power of the Spirit as Jesus had revealed himself personally to them and to their community. William Barclay believes that we've lost something in no longer eating a full meal together as part of communion. He said, in the modern church, the Lord's Supper is not in the physical sense of the term a meal, meaning most churches, they don't eat a full meal together. He says, it is the hunger of the soul, but not the hunger of the body that our communion is now designed to satisfy. But our tradition began as a feast of hungry men and women who were to clear the table and to leave nothing on it. The Lord's Supper began in the Christian church as a meal in which the physical as well as the spiritual hunger was satisfied. Gordon Fee, the scholar, says that the Lord's Supper, the cup and the bread, have both a vertical and a horizontal element to it believe that because we eat a full meal together, that we're nourished both vertically, spiritually, and horizontally, physically. And so I want to explore those two aspects of the Lord's Supper together, what it means to be nourished spiritually, and what it means to be nourished horizontally and physically. So the spiritual. I've marveled as we study the book of Luke. 
the meals that Jesus has eaten with people and the healing that's take place, taken place in those settings. Thinking about Zacchaeus, where Jesus says, or yeah, Zacchaeus, where Jesus says, today salvation has come to your home, or Levi, where Jesus is helping him certainly walk out of a life of sin and into a life of holiness. And he's telling the Pharisees, I did not come for the well, but for the sick. The, the well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Sinner, sinners need a doctor, not the righteous. And the healing and the love that was received at the table, Jesus' invitation to people who are in desperate need of him to come and to be with them. And studying for today's message, it struck me that Jesus' invitation to the table continues for us today in the Lord's Supper. When I come to house church, a lot of the time I, I don't come completely clear-minded or completely clean or unburdened. A lot of times it comes at the beginning of a week, but after a really hard week, and I'll show up tired, or I will have wrestled Haven for the last hour or two to try and get her to the house church. Or sometimes I feel stressed thinking about how am I going to lead in this setting? Or maybe there are even moments where I don't feel adequate uh, to be in the presence of God because I know the brokenness of my life or the insecurities that I carry from the week before me. In a lot of ways, I struggle to enter into worship and to fellowship because of my limitations and my failure, because of my humanity. There are lots of different ways that we can experience God. You can experience God in the scriptures. You can experience God during walks in nature. You can experience God in intercession or in contemplative prayer or in serving the poor. But the physical nature of eating bread and drinking from the cup allows us to enter in to an entirely unique experience of God. It's different. It's ordained. It's the fulfillment of a commandment and unique because of its physical nature. When you eat the bread and drink from the cup, you interact with it, with your body. And it's a reminder that Jesus had an actual body, <laughs> that he was flesh and in, in blood, and that he experienced pain and suffering on our behalf. When we take in the food, it's more than just remembering with our minds what Jesus has done for us. It's taking in the very love that Jesus carried for us on the cross. Starting with communion and a full meal in our gatherings allows me to present my fully human reality to a God who is fully human, but fully love, receiving his grace, cleansing myself from the things that I bring into the table that day, being able to enter into worship in a fresh way. St. Augustine called the sacraments an outward and visible symbol of an inward and spiritual reality. Even though the bread and, and the juice, it's not 
literally Jesus' blood. It does carry with it, I believe, the power and the effect of the cross. John Wesley, he believed that the Lord's Supper was how we encountered Jesus. And he was known for taking it frequently. Many people believe he averaged taking the Lord's Supper 80 times a year. And for him, he believed that, yes, Jesus currently sits at the right hand of God in heaven. But through the wine and the bread that we experience God's presence here and now. For Wesley, he knew that even though Jesus' body was not contained in the elements, that when we took the Lord's Supper, it's as if we feed on Christ in our hearts by faith, invited to the table week after week, receiving the power and the effect of the cross in the present. So the vertical element of the Lord's Supper is this. When we receive it, we receive the cross. But there's this horizontal element too. And I love the full meal, mostly for these horizontal elements. When the early church worshiped, it was in the model of the Greco-Roman dinner party, where people would come together, eat a full meal, drink wine at the end, and then celebrate into the late evening hours or early morning hours. And the earliest Christians, they certainly would have done this. They would have celebrated late into the night. The meals often were called uh, agape feast or love feast. Jude, Jude 12 refers to it as this. And it's loving one another. It's, it was where, the meals were where the values of the community were displayed. And the value for them was self-sacrifice for the benefit of one another. The value for us is participation. It's being activated in faith. It's belonging in family-like community. It's encountering love at the table. And we see all of those things happen as we eat meals together. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 17, that because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share in one loaf. Because we share one loaf and because we bring what we have to share in one meal, it's a representation that we are actually the body of Christ. The bread, yes, it represents Jesus' body broken for us, but we together sharing in that one loaf are in some mystical way Jesus' body here on earth in the present. I had knee surgery 15 years ago, actually two knee surgeries, um, 15 years ago and then 14 years ago, and both on the same knee, and it left my knee with degenerative problems. So for the last 15 years, it's just kind of gotten worse and worse. And recently, it's gotten to the point that if I'm walking, I, and I think about it, I can be aware of the pain and the feeling of just having a bad knee. And it keeps me from being able to do stuff that I used to love, like playing basketball or going on backpacking trips. And being one body together and sharing in one meal where we bring everyone bringing a dish to the table. It represents that we all have something special to contribute. We all have gifts that God's given us to bring to our fellowship, that if we don't bring it, then we're not going to operate as we should. If one of, one of us were to withhold 
a dish from the meal, the meal would be incomplete. If one of us were to withhold our participation or our gifts from our fellowship, then the body of Christ wouldn't be able to operate in its fullness. And it's like me not being able to, to hike or to do some of the things that I love because of a bum knee. If, if we were to withhold ourselves in our participation from the family of God in any gathering or in our life together, then our house churches can't operate as God has designed them to be. The body wouldn't be able to reach the fullness of its potential in God's desire and design for it. When we come and we share a full meal together, we're reminded that we are the body of Christ, that we're all needed, that our particip participation is desired. Tim Chester says that communion should be a feast of friends who share together with laughter, tears, prayers, and stories. He says that we celebrate the community life that God has given us through the cross and in the spirit. We cannot celebrate with heads bowed and eyes closed, alone in our private thoughts, in solitary. We recapture the Lord's Supper as a feast of friends, celebrated as a meal in the presence of the Spirit. Doing so, it will become something that we earnestly desire to be a part of week after week. It will become the high point of our life together as the people of God in this sad and broken world a meal together, the Lord's Supper, as a celebration of friends. It's an opportunity for a moment of joy. So I love heading down to that basement Sunday after Sunday, into the roar, the conversation, the craziness of kids, and joy and laughter. The Hebrew word for remember is Zachar. It's where we get the name Zachary. Zachar, for the Jewish people, was not a remembering of the mind. There were people that celebrated many feasts to remember the things that God had done on behalf of their people. As they remembered, say, practiced Zachar, it did not just bring up thoughts or memories in their minds to give them feelings of thanksgiving. For them, Zachar was a practice that invited the power and effect of the events that they were remembering into their present moment. It's a belief that God was doing again in the present what he had done in the past. As we've talked about the table, one of the most important aspects has been hunger. People who are aware of their need for God are hungry people. They're the people with the kind of humility that it requires to make it to the table with Jesus, surrender lives open-handed to receive his love and life transformation. I hope for us in our house churches that we come week after week, the very beginning of our gatherings, hungry expectant to be filled by the love of Jesus, to receive his power and effect of his cross in our lives for that day. I hope we come hungry and expectant to participate in the life of the community and to be filled with the meal.
For those of us who have spiritual hunger, Jesus' table is open to us week after week. And those of us who have physical hunger, the fellowship in the meal is available to you. God bless.